Welcome, everyone. My name is Mimi, and you are listening to Human Dialectic. If you are joining this episode, this is part two of a two-part series regarding a PDF, actually a book, but a PDF entitled Great American Adventure. And I thought that this would be a great topic to discuss because we are not really informed on the law. We are not informed on how our governments are structured how certain circumstances or parties are arranged. And this judge decided to do a tell-all book. Of course, it's not using his real name. He's using a pseudoname to protect his identity. But the more that I read it, the more relevant the information becomes. And it does confirm some of my past research. So if you are just joining, I will do a little brief summary of what was talked about in the last episode, but I do go into a lot of depth about the banks, the Rothschilds, uh, the fact that we all have a CUSIP number. So if you do have a social security number, if you have a birth certificate, most importantly, or naturalization paper, your information, or at least you are being exchanged on the uh, market. You're pretty much on Wall Street. And it's very difficult to figure out how much you are worth. So trying to find that cusp number and then also trying to derive your value in the market is very challenging, but it is not impossible. The final thing that is very important about the last episode is that a lot of our presidents have been compromised We already know that a lot of them have the same bloodline, but the history that you were told previously was not correct. Of course, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably curious as to what is really going on with American law, or you may already have an inclination that what you are being told in books and history in the media is absolutely fraudulent. It is a farce. It is not real. So it's very important for you to question everything. However, people are not ready to realize that some of their favorite presidents may not have been so heroic as they thought they were. So you really need to have an open mind and take this information at a steady pace. Some minds will shatter. And I know that feeling many, many years ago. But if you are new, once again, you can access this PDF. It will be in this episode. It's also in the part one episode. So I highly recommend that you listen to part one or just read through the PDF as well and do your own research. But for part two, I'm going to continue where I left off. I had talked about the president and the judge did not have a favorite. He was just basically stating what he was told or what research he knew uh, or intel he may have collected and it pretty much checks off what I learned about our quote-unquote presidents. Now, to begin, I'm going to go into the topic regarding religion and law. So if you're already getting offended, you really shouldn't because he does make some very interesting claims here. So this is what he says. I learned that there were some 6,000 variations of religion in the United States and that all of them are incorporated which struck a religious and political chord in me, especially since the First Amendment of the United States Constitution 
provided that one, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof, and two, the personal knowledge that all corporations are secretly the property of the government. So pay attention to that. The First Amendment of the Constitution was referring to, quote, the separation between church and state, which was intended to be a precaution against the government creating and enforcing a national religion like what was once tried in the 15th century in England. Most Americans don't know that when a person incorporates a business in the United States, the protections being afforded to that person against personal liability is secretly the the protection of the government. This means that in every new corporation, the owner unknowingly acquiesces his ownership in the business to Uncle Sam and subsequently becomes an employee of his own company. He can call himself a president, a CEO, or CFO, but he's still just an employee. All commercial corporate businesses and nonprofit corporations are set up the same way, which is probably a good reason to never invest in stocks, bonds, or securities, which are all manipulated by the Rothschild Bank of London and which explains how the stock market crash of 1929 was manipulated. I'm going to pause here because that may have gone over your head. And this is just my interpretation, so I'm not saying that it's accurate. But if you understand tax law, you understand that in order for you to conduct business in the United States, you need to have an EIN number. So you need to file it with which body? The IRS. So you need to have an EIN number and obviously incorporate it through the IRS, which they're saying is the government, but it's really not even part of the government, it's a a private corporation that is operating as a front for a lot of banks overseas. But besides that point, the judge is basically saying that when you are incorporating your business, you think that you are creating sort of means for you to become self-sufficient. And this is where it's difficult to say that everything is bad because there is nothing wrong with starting your own business. But when you don't understand the laws, when you don't understand why certain actions are required in order for you to move forward with a specific initiative and so on, then you're completely blind to this. Now, this is something I didn't know. Does it mean that it's going to stop me from starting my own business? Absolutely not. Because starting your own business gives you the freedom the self-sufficiency, the productivity, just the creativity of what you want to do. You call the shots, you do what you need to do. It is definitely not easy. But what I'm interpreting from what the judge is saying is that it is somewhat of an illusion. The whole idea of being an entrepreneur or having your own business is not fully an illusion. But in this case, the way that entrepreneurship works, or at least in order for you to conduct business, to uh, exchange in commerce, um, in order for you to trade goods and so forth, you need to start off with incorporating your business in the U.S. And unfortunately, it does seem as if we're getting the short end of the stick. Once again, 
Once again, we learn that we're being screwed over. However, it should not deter you from starting your own business. So he continues. So all 6,000 variations of religion that have incorporated as nonprofit religious entities in the United States now belong to Uncle Sam, which means that the constitutional gap between church and state is closed. Any expectations of identity or sanctuary are eliminated and all are subject to any rules or doctrines imposed upon them by the state without the congression ever knowing who is responsible. That invisible contract with the government and the Vatican may not mean or imply much right now, but in in a Marxist state, it can result in my imprisonment, so the judge's imprisonment or death and how I could ever deny the record. The state obligates us to pay for our children and they generally object to pay for anything unless we become dead or destitute. It is also the birth certificate that provides the police with the authority to break and enter any house under suspicion of abuse. But now the Patriot Act covers all other situations. He then states that with this foundation that was created, so the birth certificate, the Patriot Act, so when you look at all these policies and these laws and and how the government operates, it essentially laid the foundation for the state to take your home and the right, and now has the right to tax you into poverty as a tenant in the Patriot Act eliminated the need for search warrants. Now, I know the Patriot Act was a very controversial thing. How ironic it's called the Patriot Act and there was absolutely nothing Patriot about it. But that was essentially the last nail in the coffin to eradicate any type of privacy that Americans had. This was a very difficult section when it comes to religion and law uh, to, to interpret But I do believe that it's important to understand to some degree what he is saying. And again, I did my best to interpret what he is trying to communicate because it is a combination of understanding tax law, regular law, or just, I don't know if it's a criminal law or so forth. So there are subsets of law. And then, of course, religion. What is very interesting is that he does state that in a Marxist state, all of this is going to matter because we essentially have no rights as humans. Now, as he continues to talk about religion, he goes into the topic of the Bible. So you clearly can't talk about religion without talking about the Bible. And this is his opinion. Quote, the Bible in its present form encourages Christians to be docile and overly forgiving and tolerant of others in all situations. That I can say, I agree, definitely agree. According to the gospel of Mary, Christ never intended nor expected that for Christians. I also believe the other six books of the Bible that Pope Innocent helped to eliminate revealed a history about ET visitors with incredible powers, which probably revealed too much information about the foundation of religion or these six gospels were so far above the Pope's intellect and comprehension that he couldn't make any sense of them. I could be completely wrong. That's just one man's opinion. Think about that. I had this thought, which I cannot confirm or deny, and I only offer this to you, the reader, purely out of speculation. Given the unusual pregnancy of Mary 
and the unusual talents and abilities of her child named Jesus Christ, it may have been very possible that extraterrestrial visitors who frequented Earth equipped with a highly developed level of science fulfilled God's plan by artificially inseminating his chosen subject, Mary, with a with the most unique cloned seed. This is a very interesting take. Okay, I'm not saying that he's wrong. It's just his opinion. It is documented that during his early years, Christ would frequently disappear for extended periods of time. And when confronted about his disappearances, his explanation was that he was either meditating or he was doing his father's work. Very little has ever been written or discovered about Christ during those teenage years, which might be because those long disappearances, Christ was actually being educated and his mental and physical prowess was increasingly being enhanced by his mentors. There are so many unanswered questions about our past, and frankly, I never would have considered or offered the above speculation if not for various pieces of information and details that have voluntarily been intimated to me by legitimate individuals over the past 30 years. Now, if you're feeling like this is a crazy assumption on Jesus Christ, and quite frankly, a lot of people don't really know him, um... We know of him through the Bible, right? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is someone or a being that the dark forces fear? Absolutely, because if you do research on my control victims, when you do research on people in the military, that is one word or name, I should say, that is never enunciated out loud, ever. It is very offensive. However, what he says next is... Up in the air for speculation. Um, (laughs) I do understand about time travel. I do understand that there are ways to see things. So I'm trying to keep an open mind here. I'm not saying that he is correct. It is just his opinion. That's what he stated. He states, there is a video tape of the crucifixion of Christ viewed by a former U.S. president of my age group and existing treaties between the United States and three extraterrestrial civilizations, which permits the periodic abduction and testing of American citizens and the construction of underground bases in exchange for technology and an even and even an astronaut exchange program. The creation of tens of underground cities and miles of connecting corridors and space mining, space bases and transporters called Stargates, just to name a few. So he is is correct again this is my opinion based off of my research yes there are underground military bases william cooper even confirms that yes there are projects called stargates or stargates are actually essentially ways for um beings to like let's say let me just simplify this example if you need to get from point a to point b and it takes Let's just say it takes six hours for you to get from one city, city A, to city B. A stargate, and I'm just simplifying this for you guys, a stargate would be to try and circumvent, try and bend reality, bend time, maybe to, uh, instead of following that actual path, you're going to take shortcuts, workarounds, whatever it is. So instead of taking the highway, the actual highway that gets you from city A to city B, you are going to use technology to get you to city B faster, or you may 
use some type of quote unquote stargate. So instead of taking you six hours, you and instead of having to cross through um, specific towns that you may need to pass or traffic lights or stops, whatever it is, you use a stargate to bypass all of that. It will get you to point B, but you've basically bypassed it. Now, what would it require you to bypass it? Again, you are manipulating reality and time and you are using specific technology that doesn't honor the laws of nature or how things operate. That is my best interpretation of a Stargate. But they do exist, right? They're like transporters. They're not necessarily like black holes, but... There's an ability for you to get to your destination without having to follow the rules. I don't know about this whole videotape thing. Again, (laughs) anything is possible, but that is what he's saying. So I will leave it up to this audience to figure out what is true. The final thing that I wanted to talk about on this topic of religion and law is his discussion about the Pope and the Vatican. So we already know that there are three major cities in the entire world that are really operating under this global movement, this global reset, the new world order. D.C. being the military, head of military industrial complex. London being uh, the headquarters for banking. And of course, the Vatican being headquarters for religion and even really giving the instructions for this global world order. So he states, most people do not know that there are two popes. The white pope is responsible for the administration of the Holy Roman Church and the black pope is a Jesuit and mercenary and is responsible for eliminating people and problems affecting the church with extreme prejudice. The Vatican today is a privately owned corporate money driven and self-interest religious cult. It is the front for the Italian P2 Masonic Lodge or Illuminati which is routinely routinely involved in murder for hire, gambling, pedophile sex, and white slavery. Vatican City is one of three privileged and autonomous city-states, which also coordinates elite pan-American global organized crime for the Western banking cabal. The other two city-states are, like I mentioned, Washington, D.C. and the City of London. I do want to make clear, I did say London, but it is the City of London. There's a difference, right? The city of London is essentially similar to the district, right? The, the district of, of Washington, D.C. is not a state. It is a district. So city of London, not London, city of London. The Holy Roman Church has become identified as the center of the world's spiritual leadership. The city of London has become identified as the center of world finance. And Washington, D.C. has become identified as the center of world military power. All three are inseparable in philosophy and yet separate corporate centers in their own right. For example, Vatican City is immune from Italian law, London is immune from British law, and Washington, D.C. is immune from state law. And all three are collectively the unified center of a secret society and criminal cabal called the Illuminati. Their headquarters is in the United Nations building in New York City, the proposed capital city for their New World Order. Proof of both the United Nations and the city of New York can be located in the United States Code, which is USC, right? This is like U.S. law. 
During World War II, the hierarchy of the Vatican freely supported the Nazi program for world domination, and Pope Pius VII personally rendered his blessings upon Adolf Hitler, who was also named Baron Rothschild. As mentioned before, during this expose, King George eventually gained control over the new government of America, but he did not lay any new claim to the colonial land because of another treaty entered into by his predecessor, King James, in 1213. The Treaty of 1213 was between King James and Pope Innocent III of the Holy Roman Church. Google the Treaty of 1213 and read it for yourself. Ooh, okay. A lot, a lot to unpack there. Some of you may already have known this information, but the last couple of items tied to, you know, just that last paragraph uh, about history, which clearly you may have heard of King James, you you know of of King George, but yes, we're we're really digging deep into law and history here. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple things that may apply to people who may have a will or have property or you're dealing with contracts. This is essential for you because when you don't understand legalese, you are doomed to put yourself in a bad situation. And you will only know you're in a bad situation when you need some type of of contract to, you know, either you need to terminate it or you uh, recognize there's a specific clause that needs to be enacted, it, it can get really messy. So these are some legal terms which you could look up, but this is how he defines them. Elodio, he states, Elodio recognizes you as the king of your land. You make the rules of your land and nobody, no government can trespass upon your property. You, the king, are revered and respected and have an absolute right to use lethal force to protect your property. No government can tax your land. Okay. And the title is passed down from parent to child or husband to wife, etc. No bank will ever lend money against an elodial property because the bank has no way to foreclose against it, but it will lend money against your livestock or your crops. So what do I have to say about this? Well, I personally do not own property, even though I am studying on how to own property and how to do it the right way. But when you recognize how most Americans obtain a home, they take out a loan with a bank. And that is essentially an IOU on the bank. So you don't own that land. You don't own the house. Now you can finish paying off the house But then you have a situation where you need to pay taxes on that property, which that house is on, which you'll never own. And you also have another situation, which is when you pass, if you don't have a will claiming somebody to uh, take ownership of that home, guess who can step in? That's right. The government. So Google that term, Elodio, A-L-L-O-D-I-A-L. I could be pronouncing it wrong. But that is very important for you to study and know. If you already have property, then it's never too late for you to know what you can change. Uh, but I know like if you already have taken out a loan with a bank, yes, it's going to get a little tricky. 
The next definition that he describes or talks in more detail about is fee simple. This recognizes you only as a tenant on the property. The state makes the rules in your land and anybody can trespass upon your property. You actually lease the property from the land trust, which belongs to the Holy Roman Church. The deed can only be passed down to family members upon your death, but not before your descendants upon open, not upon open, an estate or probate, which means that the state receives a percentage of everything the descendants once owned. Yeah, that's how crazy this is. If if the descendants are short of cash, the property is auctioned off or a loan or mortgage can be obtained from a bank. In a loan situation, the deed to the property is encumbered by the bank. This means that the bank is entitled to be satisfied first if the loan or mortgage is defaulted for non-payment. This process is better known as foreclosure. The banks have arranged for the Vatican, the judge, the clerk, the bank, and the lawyer to each receive a piece of the foreclosure. If you are unmarried and you fail to leave a last will and testament, the state can reclaim your property and leave your descendants with nothing. So I'm pretty sure that there's somebody listening to this right now who knows somebody who went through foreclosure or knows somebody that has been in a similar situation. So now you know the difference between a fee simple and an elodio. Elodio, you own your land. You are the king or queen of your land. Government can't do anything. Fee simple, guess what? The state has control over your property. And if you don't have the right arrangements in place, if you're not able to protect your property and it seems very difficult, you're going to be out of luck. So what does the judge say about trusts? He states, in every trust, there is an owner, a trustee, and a beneficiary. The owner cannot be the trustee and neither of them can become the beneficiary. So we ignorant human beings have been appointed as the beneficiaries of the trust. Into the trust, they have entered other valuable property, birth certificates of corporations, our birth certificates and our social security accounts are converted into national securities and marketed as mutual fund investments. So this is all very deceiving and there's a trick. So he asks, the trick is how to avoid giving these ignorant humans the benefits of the trust. Now he's not saying that we're ignorant, but he's saying it from the perspective of the people who created the system. And the solution arrived at by these lawyers, politicians, is to convert those ignorant humans into subcorporations. Corporations are companies and as such have no inalienable rights. You've got to admit that these people are clever. I 100% agree. As much as we despise what they are doing, they're very clever, very intelligent with how they designed this system. Americans believe they have just purchased a home and land have been lied to by the government, the bank, and their lawyer. They all lie as a precaution against inciting another American revolution. Everything is about commerce and money. So in conclusion, he states, in the small type of all fee simple deeds is the wording that specifies that the buyer is the tenant and not the owner. Your lawyer set up 
that little piece of fraud never told you about it and then charged you a fee for his services. And America keeps electing these lawyers to high political offices and you wonder why your life is so much harder today than it was for your parents. Hell, they were just getting started. So how can I summarize what he just talked about in describing legalese? You really need to understand these terms, whether you need to invest in Black Law's dictionary, whether you need to read up on case law or just read up on U.S. code. And trust me, U.S. code is thick, 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 thick. There's so many codes out there. Heck, they could even be contradicting each other, but no one would ever know because there's so many freaking United States codes. You really need to to invest time into studying this. And again, if you've already purchased a home, which is one of the, the biggest investments anybody can make, you may have been put in a bad situation. It's not to say that you can't get out, but it's going to be very, very difficult, especially if you are on a 15, 20, 30 year loan, you're paying off for a, a house, right? It, that's a lot. That's a lot of interest. And that's a lot of your time paying off a mortgage. Everybody wants to be a homeowner, but we're not really informed as to what it takes to own a home. And most importantly, we don't even know what we're signing. We think we're signing contracts because we understand what is being put in front of us. And we really don't. We absolutely do not see. We can't see that we are essentially selling ourselves and our families and our futures away. The judge then continues to talk about the explosion of cancer, how a lot of the cancer and AIDS patients um, were affected by this bioweapon. He states that these were created in government laboratories under military defense contracts. That is no surprise. Look at what we are going through right now with CV-19. He also states that the elites are very, very, very cautious about intelligent slaves. Yes, slaves being us. And he states that intelligent slaves have always been perceived as a threat to plantation owners, emperors, monarchs, dictators, and other uh, despots. And we common folk are perceived by them in the same light. As hard and tasteless as this comment is to digest, the middle and poor classes are viewed by all governments and by the royal and elites of the world as ignorant slaves that require management by and through slave driving program techniques. That's how they view us. I know some people might be offended, but that's how they view us. He continues, during World War II, Nazi scientists experimented experimented with a toxic substance called fluoride and discovered that watered-down doses of fluoride ingested over a long period of time makes the human mind more malleable or easier to influence. Other tests involving an acid compound called chlorine ingested in small doses over an extended period of time severely injures the human immune system. Today, all public water in America is treated with chlorine and fluoride chemicals. And we have been told for the last 70 years that this is good for us. So if you haven't invested in a filter, you really should do that. (laughs) If you need to detox, you need to detox. 
because this stuff is very toxic. It is very harmful. And you just need to have a healthy body for whatever circumstance, whether it's the good times or the bad times, especially the bad times. Um, it's really bad. It's really bad. He then states all humans should actually be ingesting a small dose of alkaloids applied or added to their boiled drinking water to maintain their natural immunity from childbirth. All human children are born with an alkaloid system. However, due to the health benefits derived from alkaloids, the U.S. government has prohibited the sale of all water purification devices that alkalizes alkalizes drinking water. Why, why is anyone surprised? They shouldn't be surprised. The abuse of alkaloids, however, like all abuses, is just as detrimental to human health as acids and poison, so care should be employed. China or Japan manufactures an alkaloid purification system, which can be purchased by mail order only. Okay, so you may definitely know about this, but I need to emphasize it because it can't be said enough, right? He talks about sex slaves. He talks about mind control. So he is essentially saying our own politicians are engaged in these activities. He states they have sex slaves, perform mind control experiments upon them, take drugs, arrange murders, engage in pedophile sex, prostitution, and have been involved in white slavery and the sale of children and teenagers to foreign politicians or parties. Anything for a buck and for the personal pleasure with absolutely no accountability or conscience. They are the true sociopaths of this society and should be in prison. And I'm not excluding any of the United States presidents, congressmen, or heads of state in this description. Except for those six, there wasn't a good one among them. And that's the absolute. I mean, people don't want to hear about it, but human trafficking is the most profitable business in the world. It is always excluded from a lot of these statistics, but it is the most profitable because you can compromise people, you can exploit people without ever having to trace, especially minors. It is truly sickening, but the judge is saying what I hope you already know. The judge then talks about other slave driving programs. And for folks out there, I know there are some women who are very into sports, but I know men are definitely into the sports, specifically football and basketball here in the States. He gives you a little warning. And it's very similar to what William Cooper said. He states, most people actively participate and cooperate in these slave driving programs. I'm certain you won't like reading this, but the most identifiable programs, identifiable programs involve our professional sports competitions, such as football, baseball, wrestling, etc. Team sports are much easier to manipulate because they involve so much activity, whereas wrestling is the only sport that appears phony all the time even when participants are paid extra to physically assault each other. Just so you understand, all of these professional athletes truly are the consummate athletes in their own right, and it really would be quite a spectacle to watch them legitimately attempt to win a competition, but 
it could also result in their last and cost them a profitable career. So games, matches, and coaches need to be manipulated. This is a very, very interesting uh, piece of insight. The offer of large salaries helps smooth over the athlete's conscience and in time they lose their conscience, just like actors and politicians. Sorry to break your bubble, but that's life. And they, the athletes, and we, the spectators, are being manipulated. All of the players occasionally suffer real injuries from accidents, but it still amounts to nothing more than the glitz and glimmer of Hollywood, just on a different plane or level. The purpose of these professional sports is to entertain the masses and to inflate and expand commerce. It's all about the money. So I want to pause here. If this is resonating with you, then you're not surprised by this by any means. I don't watch sports, though I do believe that there are true athletes who are talented in in any type of athletic field. However, if you want to become a professional athlete, of course, you have to sell your soul. So can we as spectators really see when a game is fake or when it's rigged? Not all the time. People get very consumed and energized with the game that you're going to lose, you know, any rational thought that you are watching something that's rigged. We are, we've seen cases of this before. We've had refs come out and say it, but it's very hard for the average American to believe that a lot of this is rigged. But when you look at how much athletes are paid, it probably makes sense. So back to what he was saying. Unfortunately, the public is bamboozled into paying horrendous prices to view these sports competitions. They are huddled into stadiums with uncomfortable seating and sometimes exposed to the elements. They are usually offered expensive refreshments to purchase and members of the public are encouraged or enticed to wager bets on the outcome of each competition. The team owners receive a percentage of those bets in exchange for a pre-arranged list of wins and losses, a percentage of the ticket sales, concessions, television advertisements, and merchandising. The owners even attempt to perform like they are elated or concerned, but it's all an act. It's all about money. Former athletes are hired by the media to discuss the players' teams' forecast, sorry, forecast the outcome and narrate the competitions. These star narrators help add more drama to the game and they help cover up, quote, bad acting and, quote, botched plays by legitimizing or chastising the actions of plays, referees and coaches and players who react, get kicked out, strike out, miss a shot, push an opponent, miss a block or drop a pass. It's all good because drama sells tickets, increases betting and sells merchandise and we pay the price. I do want to mention um, this idea about these some of these athletes being clones. There is a video of one particular athlete, Draymond Green. Actually, I had to look him up. That's why I just don't pay attention to athletes. But I, I just knew that he was on the Warriors right now because somebody was watching the Golden State Warriors game. And I saw his face. I was like, oh, that's the guy that froze in the middle of a press conference for like literally three minutes. 
didn't move his mouth, I was like, what is this? If you Google him and press conference frozen, you will see what I'm talking about. This may seem absurd, but there are allegations that a lot of these athletes are clones and the real athletes were probably killed off because they didn't want to agree to this so-called soul contract with uh, the dark forces. But what what this guy is saying is is not uh, out of the ordinary. Does not seem unusual to me at all. It really is just to keep us blinded from the reality, the real reality. And when we are being entertained through our senses, we just don't want to think. And they're doing a pretty damn good job trying to keep people in a bubble. You know, when we had COVID, people didn't know what to do with their lives because there was so much time. And you realize time is wasted when you're watching TV, when you are on the internet and not really educating yourself or uh, trying to expand your your potential or trying to learn a new skill. People had too much time and they didn't know what to do. But as you can see, we divert to entertainment. We divert to Hollywood. We allow these things to surround or consume us, I should say, consume us because we don't want to face the realities. We don't want to deal with the real pressing issues that are affecting us. Hey, I mean, people just naturally want to de-stress or they want to suspend reality because life is difficult, but life was made to be difficult. The problem is we have people who would prefer to avoid any type of situation by getting lost in entertainment, by getting lost in the gossip and gossip in, in the culture. So it, what he's saying just does not seem absurd to me. It's just validating, again, what I've read and what I'm assuming you guys have read as well. So we're going to move away from the religion and law and entertainment. And this section would be applicable for anybody who's curious about finances, anyone who's curious about wanting to own property, like how do you go about doing that and working around a lot of this red tape or these obstacles or these traps, I should say, that the elites have created. So he does break it into a couple of sections. There's the credits and debt section. There's the home mortgages section, which I'll definitely read. He talks about corporations. He talks about, uh, a number of, of other topics. If you if you go into court, what you must do, all right? I'm not giving legal advice, but I'm assuming from a judge, you know, he's seen it all and he's advising first and foremost never to go into court. So we'll talk about that. So let's start with the credit and debt. So interesting thing about credit scores I don't know how you feel about it. I absolutely hate credit scores. If you don't have a good credit score, then you're pretty much screwed in society. I honestly think that that is the past equivalent of the social credit score that is slowly emerging in the US. It hasn't come out fully, but we know that it has been rolled out in China. But the social credit score is no different from a credit score. If you have a great credit score, you happen to get better deals. 
but it's essentially uh, just scanning to see if you are a good, uh, a good, good slave, a good citizen. Do you pay back the money to the banks? Because remember, the banks don't work for us. They work for the elites. So this is what he says about credit scores. I believe you first need to understand the purpose behind credit scores. The credit scoring system is another slave driving program that was devised by the Federal Reserve System and with the blessing of the high contracting powers. Its purpose is to squeeze more cash out of the borrowers and to force the public into becoming loyal conditional slaves. So what I said, if you have a higher credit score, that means that you are good at paying back your loans. Uh, However, you are being conditioned. I am not saying that you should not have a a good credit score because it will impact your ability to get get an apartment in in most areas, to take out loans and so forth. But this is the world that we live in. First of all, when you apply for a mortgage, you are requesting a loan of their valueless currency to purchase a home or automobile which you can never own and upon which you pay a penalty called interest and costs. Those who are approved for a loan are watched closely to see if they have swallowed the fraud, hook, line, and sinker, and follow the repayment instructions fully. Those who can't follow their directions, lost a job, or financially overextended themselves are rated badly and are penalized severely then and whenever they apply again via points. The personal information you provide to them when applying is also sold to their financial institutions and collection agencies. They tell you no, but unless you take the time to read all the fine print, they bluffed you again. Some merchandising companies have or perform a type of collection process first as a courtesy, and when you you fail to bring your payments up to date, they discharge the debt and sell the discharge debt to collection agencies for pennies on the dollar. These collection agencies are all owned by law firms who hire people to contact you and attempt to collect the original debt plus penalties for them. They do not represent the merchandising company. They represent their own business and probably are probably paid $25 for a $300 discharged debt. If they can persuade you to begin making payments to them, That creates a contract between you and the collection agency regarding a debt that no longer exists. When a debt is discharged, it means that your agreement with that company is canceled for good. Those lawyers are pretty clever. If you are compliant, your credit rating will be high and yet there really isn't a difference between the borrower who has perfect credit and the borrower who has poor credit as I will discuss next under home mortgages. It is all a corporate fraud to increase their wealth and deplete yours. So a couple things here and I don't believe I did an episode or talked about contracts but contracts do not necessarily mean that there has to be something tangible, like a physical document in front of you. There can be contracts done verbally or by action. And this is legal in law. So when you are making arrangements with a collection agency or a body, right, he's pretty much saying that you are are actually in a contract with a collection agency. Now you may feel as if you have uh, no option 
I'm pretty sure that there is a way to get out of it, but it is not easy. And me providing these details, it's not intended for you to feel as if we are in a hopeless situation. It is intended to educate you. So this is a springboard of information and you can do additional research or you can find the appropriate people and it is a small body of people but the appropriate people who understand the legal system who understand economics and finance and they'll be able to uh, help navigate you through these traps so do not give up it is very possible to be wealthy and not fall into these traps you know if you have credit card debt definitely pay that off because debt is the one thing that keeps people enslaved. You know, when you have a home mortgage, when you have uh, automo, uh, automobile loans, when you have uh, student loans, I mean, you really want to decrease the number of loans you have against your name, especially if you can control it. But um there are some things that will be much more difficult to navigate, such as if you want to buy property, but you're not making a lot of money, you do have an option to save as much as you can until you're able to put down enough to reduce your loan and the interest. That will take a lot of time, or you may just need to find uh, ways to have additional income. Um. But yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. I did not say that this was going to be easy, but education is wealth here. So I'm going to move on to the home mortgages section. So the judge states here, whenever you apply for a loan, you are requested to sign a promissory note for the total amount of the loan. Then a payment account is established. The promissory note is never endorsed by a member of the financial institution so that it can be sold without your permission. As we realized in 2008 with the crash, but I think this has been something they've been doing for a very long time. Three days later, the original promissory note signed in ink is sold to another institution or foreign government who will collateralize it or use it like a bond and issue currents or loans against it. Why the three days? It is because you have the right to withdraw from or cancel any contract within three days of acceptance. I'm pretty sure you guys didn't know this. I didn't know it either. It is about the only right we have left, and it may be found under the Truth in Lending Act. I'm going to have to look that, that up. It's called the Truth in Lending Act. All that matters to the bank is that you are flesh and blood you are a flesh and blood human being and that you have affixed your signature to a promissory note. They don't care if you have a great credit score or a poor one. Flesh and blood human beings technically own everything and all corporations are fictional companies that have no value and cannot function until some human being blows life into them. The promissory note each sell for the same value. Now, in my first episode, I talk about the difference between a man and a woman or like an actual human being. And then you have sort of this, this fake version of you, the corporation the dead person. So you in your physical form, you are alive. You are a human being. But when you have a birth certificate or you have a naturalization uh, paper, you are essentially a dead human being or a corporation. And that is essentially tied to you. 
for those who may not have listened to that episode one or part one, if you take a look at all of your government documents, whether or your ID, so if you look at your driver's license, if you look at your social security number, if you look at your passport, you're going to find a common thread here. Your name is capitalized. And this is very important to know because this is not you the man or the woman or the human being. This is the corporation. If you ever go into court, they always capitalize your name. So we are operating as the corporation, as the, these entities, business entities, and not as the human beings. So back to what he was saying here. Since the promissory note was sold without your permission, your mortgage debt to them is actually paid in full, but they never tell you about that. In fact, the bank also sells your repayment plan to an investor or another bank for much less and agrees to manage the payments for them. Most banks now employ a middle company to collect your mortgage payment. They do this because your mortgage and repayment plan is not reflected on the bank's bookkeeping and under federal and international law. It is supposed to be. So the middle companies act as a buffer and keeps them out of trouble. You know, when you realize how intricate all of this is, it just amazes you because imagine if you knew so much about this when you were in school, when you were in high school, right? They don't teach you money in middle school or high school. They don't even teach you the basics of how to survive in this type of world. And just reading all of this and knowing what goes into a home mortgage just blows my mind. I do want to own property, but this is insane. Since the banks can't legally make loans against your depositors' assets, everything is just a paper chase. Your payments are deposited into the investor's account who purchased it. And if it involves another bank, your payment is transferred to that bank where it is deposited into a savings account under a number instead of your name. The reason the account is numbered is because it really uh, it is really your savings account. You don't owe them a debt, and so they conceal your your payments as a numbered savings account. If they included your name, they would have to mail you a monthly accounting, and that would tip you off. So any foreclosure that might occur thereafter is totally bogus and unlawful because they cannot produce the original promissory note. If demanded, they will produce a black and white photocopy but that is actually the counterfeit of a negotiable instrument unless it is reduced or enlarged. The point being that if they cannot produce the original note, it was sold. Given these circumstances, it was absolutely necessary for them to involve the judges in their criminal conduct. Foreclosure judges receive 10% of the original promissory note after they authorize the bank to steal and sell your assets in foreclosure. I mean, it just keeps getting worse. This process essentially makes the rich man richer and explains how the banks can own the bulk of the skyscraper buildings, parcels of land, and stadiums across America. In reality, we pay for our homes three times over its original purchase price without ever securing ownership. Mr. Warburg was a pretty ingenuous fellow when he designed the Federal Reserve System and why we Americans always need to be two steps ahead of the banks, the courts, and the lawyers. Wow. (laughs) 
Wow, wow, wow. This is the type of stuff that interests me because it's so complex and I want to find a solution, but I know this could overwhelm so many people. Again, don't feel defeated. Education is definitely wealth, but this is going to be very difficult to navigate. So according to the Constitution, the only way you can pay debt is with silver or gold. And since there is no silver or gold backed currency, the only thing we can do is discharge our debts. A discharge is never a payment in full and it can be resold or borrowed against. Hence, lawyers purchase discharge debts for pennies on the dollar, open a collection company and hire people to harass you into paying the debt to them. Remember that in all legitimate contracts, you always receive something of equal value from the company or person you borrowed from. Collection companies fail to provide you with anything of equal value and lie to you that they are collecting the debt on behalf of the original creditor. The best way to handle a debt collector is to deny who you are and every question they ask. Okay, I hope you guys heard that. I'm going to repeat that again. If somebody calls you from a collection agency, the best way to handle a debt collector is to deny who you are and every question they ask. And I will let you know that this is a similar method when you're in the courts. Now, here is a very interesting note that he mentions about Gaddafi. He states, in Libya, a citizen can apply for a home mortgage or business loan from the government interest-free and he owns the land. In most cases, a citizen who desires to start a business like farming, the borrower is given a $50,000 grant or the land, a tractor, the seed, livestock to get started, all for free. And our government, the U.S. government, has the audacity to call uh, Gaddafi a fascist. President Gaddafi had control over 200 billion in gold and his life was threatened by the criminal cabal if he refused to surrender that gold. Gaddafi refused and was subsequently murdered by paid assassins hired by the United States government. You know, there's there's a lot that went down with Gaddafi. Okay, I don't know if you guys know the full story. The man was the second richest man in history, which blows my mind because as we heard about Gaddafi in the news. They never mentioned anything. The man was freaking wealthy. And clearly he was trying to free his country, free his people from the elites and the banks. And uh, you know what happens when you go against the globalists? They kill you. All right. So we're going to move on to corporations. And this is going to be a very interesting topic. The judge states, as I mentioned earlier, a corporation is a fictional character or entity in law created by the government, which makes that fictional character or entity the intellectual property of the government. But you are never told that corporations can own any number of other corporations, but can never own a flesh and blood human being. All laws created under this parent corporation will essentially become corporate laws and regulations to govern the parent corporation and all subordinate or sub-corporations owned by the parent. These corporate laws and regulations are called statutes and, and their effect 
and control over human beings is deceptive, uh, deceptively obtained by consent through civil contracts. Look up the word person. Okay, you can even look this up in Black Law Dictionary. Look up the word person in any modern law dictionary and you will see that a person is regarded as a corporation and not a flesh and blood human being. These civil contracts were secured by and through several federal and state voluntary registration programs designed to convert and enslave flesh and blood American citizens of the Republic into corporate property. These registration programs always involved government benefits as an inducement. However, nothing is for free. And when the state and federal governments offer anything for free, you can bet that upon your acceptance, there are ropes and chains about to be attached to your neck, handles, and ankles. Legally, these civil contracts lacked mutuality, meaning that all registrants must understand the true nature and intent of the contract and subsequently must knowingly accept or consent to the terms of those contracts. The government's subversive tactics perverts mutuality and lawfully eliminates any and all contractual relationships as historically established by the International Law of Contracts, aka Uniform Commercial Code. The federal government, the bar, and the courts rely upon the maximum that ignorance of the law is no excuse. You've heard that before. When you go in front of a judge, you're like, I didn't know the law. They're going to say ignorance of the law is no excuse. He states, this is capable. So ignorance of the law is no excuse, which is capable of being thrown back in their deceptive faces through literacy, which is what the expose is attempting is attempting to provide to you. When a person is arrested, now pay close attention to this, when a person is arrested or sued for a statutory regulation, also known as a criminal or civil law, he's actually being accused of violating a corporate regulation or corporate breach of contract, a civil contract that only exists over human beings by deception and fraud. There are no criminal laws in America. Rule one of the Federal Rules of Procedure, the FCRP, used to specify this very fact. For example, all laws are civil, which was later modified by the Judiciary Act to conceal this fact by creating one set of civil rules and one set of criminal rules. But this never changed the fact that there are no criminal laws in America. The Judiciary Act was necessary once common people began to represent themselves in court and uncover this and their frauds. These rules of procedure and rules of court were originally designed and adopted to reduce confusion in the courts and was intended only for lawyers. However, this is not to say that the courts will not try to enforce them against non-lawyers. I'm going to pause because I don't know if that went over your head or if you understood what this judge was saying. You first need to understand that you are a corporation. I already mentioned this before, but those paragraphs that I just read are so essential, especially if you are dealing with the legal system and there is a way to communicate who you are, but you have to understand the foundation. You have to understand 
how they try to swindle us and think that we have the justice system on our side, which sadly it's not. But there are some good people. There are a handful of good people, but the majority of the people in the justice system are corrupt. That is no surprise, but uh, I just need to, to reiterate that. So he continues, the federal and state governments are not real. They are privately owned corporations called governments. The judges are privately employed administrators called judges, and the law is nothing more than their corporate regulations called statutes. The courthouses are no longer public buildings, but are privately owned structures called judicial centers or a department of justice. And the prisons are privately owned facilities that do not mention the city or county anywhere in its names. The public defenders, prosecutors, and police are not there to protect and serve the public, but to the contrary, they are to protect and serve the private corporations. The Vatican, judges, prosecutor, and clerk make money off of your conviction, and the private owners of the prison make money off of your incarceration. Everything you sign with a wet ink signature becomes a negotiable instrument in their world and is converted into a guaranteed asset like a security or bond because you are flesh and blood living person. Many judges and law firms own the government buildings and the prisons. Your presence in a prison also fuels a mutual fund investment in their world. Everything is fictional and therefore your living status creates substance for their world, both physically and in writing. I hope you guys are still with me because this is, it, it, it's it's getting real serious here. So nearing the end of this, he talks about pharmaceutical companies. The interesting thing here is that he states that marijuana is not that bad. I've been on the fence regarding marijuana. Um, I believe more holistically that when a drug is on the streets, you don't know what it's being laced with. And we do live in a society where we have entertainment that is pushing marijuana. But we also know that if you carry certain ounces, you could be arrested depending on the state. So... Do we know the full benefits of marijuana? Because I am leaning on, yes, leaning towards, I should say, that marijuana is not a a bad thing. I do know that there are accounts of people who have used medical marijuana and it has improved their condition. But I also recognize that marijuana can put you in a very uh, lazy state. And I've seen people who would participate in this activity and they were just not motivated to do anything. But he is stating that, of course, pharmaceutical companies are a bunch of thugs and drug dealers. That's no surprise there. Uh, The doctors will never learn how to treat diseases. They only treat the symptom. Again, we are not surprised about that. Um, But yeah, marijuana is a schedule one drug. And if you are in possession of it, you could be arrested. (laughs) It could be just depending on the state. Um, Yeah, they're just trying to keep the masses in check. That's really what it is. So we have come to the end. And this is going to actually be my favorite part um, from this entire book. 
because the judge goes into, I'm not going to explain everything, but he goes into detail about the legal process and what you need to know. You've been informed on legal terms, uh, aspects of the justice system, who they serve, what they do, what you should or should not do to some degree. But here he breaks it down so that you understand, and this may be recapping what we've discussed, but it's important for you to know how to navigate the legal process. Now, he does state or describe the criminal process, um, and he indicates that it usually begins with a police officer is issuing a citation or making an arrest with or without a warrant, or the police officer or the county attorney prepares a complaint based upon a sworn affidavit or information, which is presented to a judge and a warrant is then issued. The defendant is subsequently arrested and is brought before a judge for arrangement. Now listen to this. The complaint and warrant will reflect your birth name or identify you as John Doe. If your name is unknown, which is typed out in all capital letters, this is not a mistake on their part because it is all your birth certificate that is under arrest and not your living flesh and blood person. The hope of these uh, pseudo courts is that the flesh and blood person will be intimidated enough to accept responsibility for the birth certificate. Okay, so this is where it gets good. He states, at your arrangement or trial, the judge will ask you if you are named the individual on all caps, your birth name, on the complaint. And your natural response will be to answer in the affirmative, but that is exactly what you don't want to do. Okay? So he states, remove your birth certificate and respond to the judge by stating, I am a special limited appearance on behalf of the defendant who is right here and hold up your birth certificate. So he's basically saying, hold up your birth certificate. Now, I don't know if you're going to have your birth certificate at that point, but uh, this is what he's saying. Then you should say the following. As I understand this process, judge, the county attorney or police officer has leveled a criminal charge with the clerk and against the trust using the all caps name that appears on this birth certificate. The use of capital letters is dictated by the U.S. printing style manual, which explains how to identify a corporation. The clerk, who was the administrator, then appointed you, judge, as the trustee for the trust. And since neither of you can be the beneficiary, that leaves me and therefore you are my trustee. So as my trustee, I instruct you to discharge this entire matter with prejudice and award the penalties for these crimes to be paid to me in compensation and damages for my false arrest. Now, you're going to have to try and memorize that. All right. You, you got to know these terms. You got to know what administrator is, trustee, trust, birth certificate, not what you think in the Oxford Dictionary. You need to go to the law dictionary. Okay. You you need to study this. There are ways to get out of it, but you have to be careful because 
the judges know how the system operates. And if you F this up, you're, you're going to go down a path. They're going to lead you down a path and you're going to fall for that trap. Now, the judge, the judge who wrote this, this book states that the trustee judge has no alternative but to honor your demands. But you have to get this right and act with confidence. You really need to know this information well so that you can't be hoodwinked or confused by either of them. They will or may attempt to play some mind games with you if you display any doubt. And he states that he has seen judges and prosecutors interfering with a defendant's response. So when somebody is stating exactly what I told you guys, they subsequently put certain individuals into a mental hospital. Can you imagine? So you got to be careful. You got to be smart, but you got to be careful. And then he does mention that because he's witnessed this, there are ways to get out of that as well, which is crazy. Like he's giving you options here, but um, it's 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 a very dangerous game to play. But uh, if you're willing to do the work and study, you'll get yourself out of those situations. He then talks about citations and how you can get yourself out of citations. Now, I'm not trying to to tell you guys to get out of breaking the law. That is not what I'm telling you. I'm just aware that there are some very good people who are in a bad situation and this would be helpful. So when you get a citation from a police officer, there are ways to rescind your consent or cancel that contract. And it's very important for you to face the citation and print or type in large print that you do not accept this offer to contract and you do not consent these proceedings. You need to inform that to the police officer, but do it in writing. You also have to send it to the court. Here's another very interesting thing. He states you must use blue ink or purple ink. There's a reason. Blue ink symbolizes admirality and purple ink symbolizes royalty. So admirality is the court and royalty represents your sovereignty. Either way is appropriate. Can you imagine like even these trivial details make a difference? Absolute difference. He also indicates that you must sign your signature underneath in blue or purple ink and in front in a notary. I mean, it's just... Wow. 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 But um, that's how you can kill citations. You know, you got to remove your consent and you got to remove the jurisdiction of the court. And, but it's just people don't know about this at all. He then goes into summons and lawsuits. I mean, you guys, there's just so much information. I think I'm dragging this on. You could be finding this valuable, but I really advise you to read this document if you're interested in uh, summons and lawsuits, divorces. So summons and lawsuits uh, would be on page 112. If you're interested in marriage and divorce, 113, foreclosure. If you are going through foreclosure or you just want to understand the legal process of it, 114. You'll find that on page 114. And then um, he ends it. You know, it's uh, quite a valuable document. You know, when I think of what helps me get through life, what information is valuable for me in understanding how to be successful or wealthy or just stay out of these traps, 
if you understand law, if you understand economics, and if you understand how to manage money or what money is and how to increase its potential for your own needs, you're going to be fine. You're going to be absolutely fine because a lot of people are making a lot of mistakes and it's just because we did not have that information. So of course, people are going to fall into these traps. But this is very, very valuable. And though I did my best to cover very, very important material, at least like what I've read going through the document, I'm going to read this over and over again, because I know there are going to be a couple things that I would have missed that would be useful for me in the future. But I hope you take the time to read this document and find what is suited for you because we are all going through similar situations and as things get tougher, people tend to do uh, more desperate things or fall into desperate situations and they end up doing things that they don't want to do. So you really need to have this or equip yourself with knowledge because that is what is really going to get you out of a lot of situations when things get bad. When things are good, maybe it's not not a problem, but it's when things get bad and the justice system is no longer reliable, you just want to ensure what options do you have? You know, the banks are predators. The justice system has predators. We live in a world where we think that we are thriving as human beings and that's not actually the case. So hope you found this valuable. Again, I'm not going to reiterate how I found this valuable, but the PDF will be available in the description. It's going to be a link. So hopefully you guys take a look at it, share it, um, read it over and over, remember it, (laughs) you know, not really that, but you'll find whatever you need. Hopefully you do. All right, you guys have a good one. And I'm glad to have delivered this complex topic to you. And hopefully I made it a little bit simpler and you don't have to feel like you need to go to law school (laughs) because you're going to be so much smarter than a lot of the attorneys out there. Be good. Keep learning. And I will talk to you guys in another episode. Have a good one, guys.